This episode is with Annie Goodner, a writer, editor, educator who hails from Minneapolis, like Prince. We are walking near her house in the north of Amsterdam through the Fliegenbos. I'll take you on my little walk. Okay. And then we can see if there's like a... Is this your daily walk? This is my daily walk. Well, well actually the last like five days... Huh? I was behind that woman before. She was like slow. Like in another life. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> in the conga line. <laughs> At my birthday party. Oh my god. Yeah. I hope she was wearing those culottes. <laughs> she was wearing that Albert Hein bag on her saddle. Um, no, so the New Yorker had this poetry, or they probably still do, have a poetry podcast. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes Hilton Alls, like, interviews people, and I think he's, like, a p- pretty good interviewer because he's very fanny. Mm-hmm. And that can be nice. Sure. You know, like, he once interviewed Brenda Shaughnessy, uh-huh. and they were both, like, <sighs> in love with each <sighs> other. <sighs> and I was like, this is great. And then I, like, you know, needed to buy a Brenda Shaughnessy book, which I didn't actually, but... Do you buy Hilton Alls books? I have White Girls. Okay. But that, but um, Neil's, no. Somebody gave it to me. Okay. Because so, they thought you would, I thought it I, was urgent. Huh? I thought it was urgent that I should read this book, but wow. I still have Is it. Is it? No, I actually haven't, but I, I've not read it. It's like one of the only books that I look at every day and I'm like, mm. It's so bold. It's, it's very, place. indeed. And then. Um, I'd say you don't need to read it. You'd say I don't need to read it. No. I kind of wanted to read, like, the Whitney Houston part. Oh, sure. It begins... I, I know I have this in my mind because someone was telling about it while we were FaceTiming, and they said, you've read it? And I was like, yeah, I've read it. it the first essay is so beautiful. I could just come back to it again and again and again. Well, that's nice. But it's a long essay about a lover or something. I don't know. But you used to really like Hilton Knowles. Or you still do? I still do. I, I still really love Hilton Knowles as a figure. I Sorry, think. are we walking too fast? No. I do a real fast walk, but, yeah, but I've never is, walked in clogs To me, this before. is not a... Okay. Oh. No, but I usually... Oh, they're such cute clogs. Yeah, they're Margaret Howell London, so they're off-price oh, off off Margaret Howell. No, but I usually walk like this. Wait, what's full-price Margaret Howell? Full-price Margaret Howell is like, is like, you know... Off the charts. Off the chart. Off Harf the, the charts. <laughs> it is off the charts. It is, you know, we're talking like 900 British pounds... For oh like a Lord. shirt, so and it's like not even my. It's not. It's too a staged. shirt, dude. It is so expensive, and it's linen, very staged. Oh. Stayed, oh. yeah, linen, but Ooh. linen like you know, sewed by Margaret Howell like in her kitchen. You know, I think it's like that vibe. But I do like the style, uh huh, because it's like I really don't like fashion so much. You know what I mean? Oh sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I know. <laughs> It's <laughs> like the first thing that you know about me. It's like just so it's like I appreciate it's a bit anti-fashion, but it's too expensive. So then I was like, all right, well I can afford these, so uh-huh. I bought them. And they came. Oh my god, they came in a box that was like, what is that? Like six centimeters thick? Yeah, that's like it came. That's in not a, six centimeters. That's like a four inches. It was came in this. Ten it came, came in a box that looked box. like a pair of trousers were in them, and then flat. it was fucking flat. And then. Um, and then Edgar was like, what did you buy? You know, because, like, you should really not be ordering shit right now. Because, like, that you don't need. 
Because of cardboard boxes. <laughs> or because no, because I think it puts a lot of, of, of people stress at on the mail carriers. Yeah, but... But it was, like, so thin, This is, like, Ivan. a conversation after that, what, I, Daniel Blake, what's it? Oh, God, of... when I walked out of that movie because I was having a panic attack. Anyway, so, um, it was so thin, almost it could have gone through sorry the mail slot. Sorry, sorry, we missed you. Yeah, sorry, we missed. Sorry, I missed you. <laughs> sorry, yeah. you missed But it. we, it's, it could have been Okay, me. flat box. Sorry. Anyway, it was a flat, but it was so flat it could have gone into the mail slot. But then I was like, mm, this must be because it said Margaret Howell on it. Uh-huh. And nobody ordered me something from Margaret Howell. Maybe it was a gift. Yeah, right? Um, and then it was these clogs that were like pushed down. And then I realized it's like really handmade. Like it's essentially like a stretchy piece of leather, leather. that's just been stapled onto a piece of wood. Doesn't that make you feel terrified about how you walk in it and how like well, it'll begin to stress and your toes like pop yeah. up and? I mean, these are not like these are essentially the equivalent of a summer sandal. Right. Right. So I'm not going to be like, you know, you know. I always think about it this way with shoes. Like, would I want to walk all over New York City? You know what I mean? In these yeah. sandals. And no, I wouldn't. Um, what but, happened to your Mew Mew clogs? I Mew Mew clocks. Or am I thinking about Marnie? I had some Marnie sandals. Marnie sandals. Again, not into fashion. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> not at all. Just into brands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, those Marnie things are... Marnie is, like, really shit with shoes. Oh, really? Like, if you ever go to the... Fun, you were happy about them for a little while. I was happy for a day. Because of the delivery. <laughs> no, because they have this... You know, Marnie <laughs> has this um, quite kind of... Military style, like detailing in the leather, where they it sometimes like comes out quite a bit, and it's quite austere. Mm-hmm. So I was like into that, but then I realized that they're really poorly made, and so they've like fallen really fallen apart. But you're not worried that these ones are poorly made. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I, I don't am. feel I'm being. I don't feel anything is being hidden from me here. You know, it's like I see exactly how, like I could have made these. Right. So if they fall apart, then I'll be like, well, I'll just get out. Yeah, I'll just get out a nail and hammer it back in. Okay. But yeah, no, they're very flimsy. But I feel also what I'm hoping, this is only the second day I've worn them. Because uh-huh. like, who's, you know, who's getting dressed these days? Who's walking to New York? Who's walking to New York? Um, I, I'm hoping that they'll kind of like, it'll be like a skin situation, you know, where they'll kind mm-hmm. of mold to my foot. And then, because it's really, the, the, it's, they're heavy. Yeah. But they're comfortable. You know that I've worn clogs. You've seen me wear clogs in the past, no? No. And there's been like a kind of leather stretch situation, which has been frustrating. Um, but I think like the, you know, when clogs kind of came back in, I don't know when that was, like 2009. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Comey sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really, really, really um, inflexible, usually, right? So like yeah. they're more likely to dig into you and really hurt you. No. And so these are like the opposite of that. No, no, no. I, I thought that clogs were like always comfortable and your, your feet okay, so, are always going to... So I just want to point this out. They built this kind of, what would you call this? It's corral? Like a corral. That's exactly what it is. Um, parkour? A parkour For... corral. Or like where you line up to go, to go through the metal detector. Yeah. Um, because there was like a, a physical altercation here where somebody told a bike rider, like, you cannot be riding in here. And the bike rider punched them. Oh. Yeah. So then the city 
built this. Uh-huh. And of course, nobody is, people are like, some people don't even still get off their bike. They like corral themselves they just through, ride on through. their bike. And then obviously, as you can see here, people have really, they, it says, but, which I appreciate. And then go skate in the forest uh-huh. or something. And then it just says bikers. And then it says, go we ahead, bikers. You. We love you. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. What does that tag say? <laughs> oh, are we going inside? Yeah, we're going inside. Oh. oh, this says this is a waste of money. It's pretty good. I mean, it's quite well made. It's kind of yeah, like I your, appreciate- I love it's it. like your it clogs. Like I'm really, it's like you're entering the forest now. Mm-hmm. Love this. I think I would have written that. And then butt again on the other side. Yeah, pab, offum. Archie twig, pab, ohm. Oh, offum, yeah. Yeah. And then what's this one say? Old school never dies. I guess that's the truest one of all of them. I mean, it's a really nice composite of... Yeah, yeah. And then we have this, like the, this, this, yeah. this. It's quite nice. Now, they've done a lot of work on this part. No, but when Hilton Alls was doing this poetry thing, mm-hmm. he interviewed Ocean Wong. And I was like, oh. Did Ocean cry? I think Ocean, like, always sounds like they're I'm, crying. I'm the Trevor. Yeah, I mean, somebody I know thinks they sound like Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, no, and then after that, I got really into Ocean and was, like, listening to a lot of their, you know. They were, like, even on Late Night with Seth Meyer, mm-hmm. who, like, Seth Meyer... Stephanie Myers? Steph- <laughs> oh, Stephanie Meyer from Twilight. Stephanie Meyer. Is that... That's the author of Twilight and New Moon. Oh, my God. But that's a pen name, right? Oh, is it? I always get Twilight. I'm pretty sure they're not related. I've seen... And the Twilight and the one that we watched with um, uh, Dakota... Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. That's, they're not the same person. That's a pen name. That's, that's um, a pen name. Right. E.L. E. Banks. Maybe... E.M. Forrester? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And so he had Ocean Vuong on, and he was telling Ocean Vuong, like, how amazing... This was for, for, for the novel. On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Which I haven't read yet. I have an EPS I can send you. No, uh, sorry, I, I, that's not... An EPS is a graphic designer thing, but I meant an e-book. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I don't know if I want to... I'm really hungover. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, but that's okay. Um... So, Ocean was on that show, and then Seth was like, this is, like, amazing, this is such an amazing book. And I think Ocean was, like, wearing, like, a lariat or something. Cute. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, now. Who were you with last night? Philip and Beckett. I went over to Beckett's house because. To eat cake? Well, there was cake, but that's not why I went. He uh, was making a roast, huh. and I was like, I want that. And it was amazing. It was really good. Like, he had apparently salted it for 24 hours. Beckett. Yeah. Okay. And it was quite a thing. It was like um, tri-tip. Okay. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. The tri-tip. It's a cut, I think. Okay, but it looked like a rump. Yes. Is that the same thing? No. Is it tri-tip? It's a different part. I, I watched a Bon Appetit with Molly Bars where she learns to butcher an animal. Oh, I cannot watch like those a, ones. Oh, really? I find I find them incredibly boring. The ones where she gets little pieces yeah, of paper. Yeah, because it's also just like really wasteful. Right. Like where they're like, you should cook with an ostrich egg. It's like, you shouldn't. Isn't this amazing? 
I mean, it's not amazing, but it's... If you're a Christian, I guess. Well, this is a de-sanctified church. Oh, it's just a house now? Look, there's not even a cross on the top. That's a... That's a, that's a cross. No, that's a di wind directional thing. It's not spinning. <laughs> and the wind is blowing. I'm... Well, it's because it's blowing that way. No, that's a cross. I don't get too, it's not a wind I don't get vein. too specific about it. There's a wind vein on the top of that yacht thing, boat. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... Um, she? Uh-oh. Well, it's bound to happen. Did you scuff it? I don't really care about scuffing it. What I'm afraid about is, like, um, this happened with the Marnie ones. Like, the, the sole gets peeled back. Oh. But these are really well made, I think. I'd be surprised if the soles put no, back on the No, what's going to happen, I, I guarantee you, is that these are going to get all fucked. So I should figure out how to not walk like I normally do. <laughs> Which is essentially like... Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> is that how you, you rock from your heel to your toe of your foot? Is that how you're supposed to walk? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Or you can just walk on your heels, maybe. Yeah, but I also walk like this, like a, like a duck. Oh. Um, I think it's, that's maybe better for your posture than being pigeon. Oh, pigeon I mean, I footed. think this is actually something that people are, like, sort of trained to not do, because I think it's quite bad for your knees. Yeah. But um, multiple people have told me I do not know how to walk. There was, like, a point in time where I was walking... It's none of their business. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it's your business when you walk, like, into somebody else's oh. space. So if you wanted me to, so early social distancing times, I'm coming through this. This is another corral, yes. I guess, right? Smile. This a, smile. This is another thing that's attempting to like get people not to bike here. And I, I see a woman, she's like maybe here. And this is when like I, if I saw another person coming, I would like veer off and really give them like more than a meter and a half. Right. And so I see her and I, I, I go into that little wayside there uh -huh. and then I motion for her to like come and she's like no 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 she's like demonstratively like no come so then I'm like all right so then I come through and then right when I get onto the bridge she starts coming like riding towards you no she was well, she was actually on a skateboard oh she like starts coming onto this bridge which is not a meter and a half wide no and I was like do people do this because they, like, did she think I was, like, performatively and annoyingly trying to keep distance? Maybe she just didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's the most generous way of thinking about it, for sure. Well, you, the other thing is that she's trying to infect you. No, I think she just thought, like, this is all a hoax. Oh. You know? Well, I guess skate or die. Well, I don't know. Like, if you talk to people who are living in... <laughs> In places where there's more strict measures, like mm -hmm. like my sister's like in Los Italy? Angeles, okay. huh? Italy. Like Italy. I've not actually talked. <laughs> D. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> um, no, like in Los Angeles, there's I think there's a mask rule. Mm -hmm. and there's a mask rule in most yeah, places. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy that. And then you know you hear about there's a mask rule, and then I was in the supermarket the other day in like a really kind of you know small one that I like to go to because I think, oh, nobody's going to be here. And then there were just lots and lots of people without masks who were just not keeping distance and mm -hmm. looking at you like... You're why are you wearing a mask? Why are you wearing mm -hmm. a mask and why are you keeping distance? Uh-huh, yeah. Like, are, do I smell, you know? That's what happens, like, when I ride the bike, people are like, why are you wearing a mask? That guy just said, there really weren't any dogs. 
were not very many dogs. Was he hoping to see more dogs? Well, That's he... the type of dog I want, a poodle. Oh, Whoa! Oh. Okay. oh my god. That poodle just left. At a stick or at her face. <laughs> so poodles the... smell, right? No. I thought they were like hypoallergenic dogs. But, um, I don't know anything about dogs. Poodle the bigger. You know what my number zero dog is? Like the worst dog? Rottweiler. <laughs> okay, let's keep it like realistic though. Cause like obviously I'm not gonna go for a Rottweiler. Pomeranian. I'm not gonna go for a German Shepherd. And then what Shih Tzu. are the, you know these dogs that have this like armed, armored face? They look kind of like bulldogs, but then they have this sort of like- Doberman. No, it's like a vectorized sort of arrow face. Like a half bulldog. Yeah, those, uh, they're really aggressive. They, they uh, bite people. But anyway, um, this one, I like a lot. Really? What is that? That's a puppy. That's a Shiba. Shiba Inu? Um, <laughs> no, um, oh fuck, now I forgot. What's my, oh, Dalmatian. Oh, really? Yeah, they're super aggressive. I was nipped by one as a child. Oh, I, but, oh, that's the Never Never dog. You'd never want That's a, a Never Dalmatian. Never dog. Never Never. Dalmatians are really not so popular in Amsterdam. I think there must be some rule against them because... Because they're so violent. They're so violent. Or maybe they need that much space to play. Yeah, but I don't understand people in the city who have big dogs. Huh. I've shown you my collection of 101 Dalmatians, right? No. Are these, are these play like, figures? Yeah. <laughs> They're all doing something else. Like jumping out of boxes, running with a ball. Where like do that. you keep these? They're in a display cabinet at home. Not in Australia. A, in Australia. In your bedroom? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a, a kitchen display type thing. Behind a so glass cabinet. So they're your cabinet. parents? Yeah. Oh, like I, and they're glass or they're plastic? They're plastic. Yeah, I was trying to remind my brother the other day about... Swar they're Swarovski. Oh my god. So we were talking... They're Swarovski! <laughs> I love that. I was at Bowsletter Maripine the other day, and I stopped in front of this glass window display, and uh -huh. I was like, there, there were these pineapples that were made of... You know, they weren't Swarovski, obviously, but they were like... Glass pineapples. Glass. Murano glass-ish. Yeah, you know me. Actually, uh, side note that. Um, <laughs> so this tri-tip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like Murano glass. I know that says something about me, but I don't really care what that is. That you care for beauty? <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly, ooh, do you hear that? Is it shitting on us? Is that water? It sounds like poop to me. Oh my god. Oh my god. Why are you standing under it? I don't know, because I don't believe that it's poop. <laughs> don't pee on my leg and tell me that it's raining. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, we'll go here. No. Yeah, let's, no, let's do this. This would be a very easy place to get lost. Yeah, I... Want to kill someone. I know what direction, like, home is. Okay. So that always helps a bit. But yeah, I, I have gotten lost. I, oh, I'll tell you in a minute a podcast that I've been listening to. Um, okay, so the glass, uh -huh. pineapple. pineapple. And then I really wanted that. I was like, this is, a, this is beautiful. It was a glass, it was two glass pineapples connected by like a gold, quote unquote, like stem. Rainbow thing? And then they were just sitting there. Like what, they weren't for, they were not for anything except just to have, uh -huh. you know, like, like. Like a tchotchke. Yeah, like Dutch people have tchotchke shit in their windows. Sure. And I was like, I really want that. And then Edgar said like, if I get that, like I would not be a person that I liked. Really? Or something. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think he doesn't understand my aesthetics. Oh, maybe he just didn't like it. Yeah, it sounded like a threat. (laughs) (laughs) Which you uh, fell for. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, it was like 25 euro, which seemed like a lot to spend on something. I would say that's not a lot for two glass pineapples connected by a gold stem. So I'm pretty sure it was not glass, it was plastic, but like looked like glass. Could you use it to drink? Or is it no, really it was like purely, purely de- decorative. Mm. Okay, so I've been listening to this podcast called Strangers, uh-huh. and it's made by the woman who uh, invented the moth, you know, this storytelling hour that is, no. uh, doesn't matter. It's on WNYC, I think. Okay. It's a storytelling hour. It was featured in an episode of Girls. Yeah, I don't know I who lost- was shouting out who, doesn't matter. Anyway, her, she's Danish, the woman, but she's lived in the U.S. for a really long time, and her name is Lea Tao. Lea Tao. Lea Tao. Lea Tao. Hi, That's you're listening to Strangers. Singer. This is Lea Tao. Oh, cute name. Or Lea Tao? I don't know. Lea Tao. Lea Tao. <laughs> yeah, hi. And she's got a really nice baritone voice, so okay. she says, this is how I kind of wanted to talk to you today, but... This is how I wanted to talk to you today. Yeah. Hi, everyone. You're <laughs> listening to Strangers on KCRW. I'm Lea Tao. <laughs> I'm Yelensky. I'm Annie Yelensky. Um, and no, it doesn't have the same ring. You have to have a two-syllable name. I'm Annie. Annie. Okay. Anyway, and so she like it's like all about just story sharing among strangers and like. Sh- Would you ever have a podcast called Strangers? <laughs> yeah, I think really? so. I'm sure there are more than one podcast with strangers. Anyway, she did this whole series about her love. Like, she's in her maybe late 40s now. But she did this whole... Do we want to sit down? Sure. She did this whole podcast about her, like, a series. Like, she's the host, right? She's not the she's not the subject of the podcast. Whoops. And, but um, does she produce the content? Yeah. Does she? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And um, it was, like, all about her love life after she had a big breakup with a boyfriend. Um, whose, um, whose child she was pregnant with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, she's, like, let's imagine the kind of, like, mid-late 30s. Yeah, yeah. Has a kind of, um, yeah. has a somewhat chaotic relationship with, like, a sort of intellectual type. And then they break up. And then she's By pregnant. By her choice? Like she it sounded like it was, like, sort of uh, imploding. Neutral. And well, okay, so then in lo- so she did this three-part episode called Love Hurts, where she like interviewed all of the people who she'd met online dating who had rejected her. I know it sounds really, really, really terrible. Uh huh. Um, like Adam Sandler movie terrible. No, because it was so earnest. She really wanted to find out, and um, like I thought Mama it was. Mia. I thought the first episode was quite good because I was like I'd never listened to her before, so I was like, who is this person? And then the next two were awful, like so awful. And then in the final episode, she speaks to a man who she rejected. Um, um, I mean, online. We're, we're talking like, okay, like, Cupid. Yeah. Or I don't know what 40 year old intellectuals use for their online date. Okay, Cupid, Adult right? Friend Finder. <laughs> J Date. Maybe. Uh, no, she's definitely not on J Date. Um, I think J Date is for 50 plus anyway. So, I think Jade it was for Jewish dating. It is, but okay. Sorry, I thought that was assumed. Oh, she's Jewish? No. No. <laughs> no. Right. What I mean is like she. 
Um, Let's cut that. <laughs> we, we should have some disclaimers at the end, which is like, I am Jewish, so this conversation is okay. Uh -huh. um, I don't know. But anyway, so she talks to this guy who you could tell just by how he was talking was like not as cool as the guys who had rejected her. Uh-huh. I don't know why I'm saying this because it... But then because he kind of like... He, he said that she was like a Corvette. The car. Yeah. What color? Yeah, Purple. like obviously red. Oh, really? Yeah. And that, you know, but like he was used to like driving Camrys. As a podcast producer. I don't even know. Oh, sorry. I don't even know. Like, I don't... And it was so bad. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> this was made in 2014. I just stumbled upon it because, you know, uh -huh. it was in a bit of a podcast hole. Yeah, sure. Then I became a patron. I know. Uh -huh. After listening to these three episodes, I was like, this is something I want to support with my $1 a month. So it's like, you know... Oh, that's quite cheap. 82 euro cent or whatever. Yeah. But um, I get very little with the $1. A lot of stuff is blocked to me. But anyway, so... But I did get to listen to this other three-part episode called The Cape. About this is Cape Cod. Yeah. Because she and a bunch of, like, <laughs> other podcasters every summer... Or, you know, New York literary, but like, you know, literary in the kind of podcasty yeah, type. Yeah, the Jezebel We're sense. not talking about like, you know, what's that guy's name? Spalding Gray. Um, He's dead. You know what I mean, though, like that, uh -huh. or like, uh, you know, Paris Review type people. Sure. So, um, this real would probably writers. all be cut, by the way. So, um, yeah, real writers. So they would each year go, for 10 years, they each summer would go to Cape Cod, uh, you know, for a week. And so she kind of like tracks her her professional life, but then also her romantic life through the frame of these summers in Cape Cod. And then through that device, she's able to like, for the first time, I don't think you're supposed to bike here, by the way. Um, for the first time, talks openly about this breakup, this sort of life-shattering breakup that, that had inspired Love Hurts. And then her, her ex-partner, who like had a lot of, of um, objections to this, to the Love Hurts going on, because he mm -hmm. felt he was, you know, painted but poorly. Although, honestly, he sounded like a real ass. He now comes onto the cape. I keep wanting to say the cove, the cape. Because he's part of the same intellectual yeah. set. And then they like break down the Love Hurts um, uh -huh. series and then they like return to the actual relationship and like interrogate that, which I found like super fascinating and also like really, really, really terrible because they were just so annoying and, and obnoxious and pretentious. And the way that they did this is they both live in LA now. And they go to see, she goes to see this exhibition, this Icelandic video artist who I've never heard of, who's not Oliver Eliasson. Um. Can you think of anyone? Okay, so anyway, the, she goes to see this like multi-channel, very, very long work at the Broad. And then oh, she, Ragnar Kjartansson. There you go. It's Thanks. like yeah. uh, the it's national. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah sings a song on exactly repeat, exactly one. yeah yeah i heard when she was describing it, i was like i think i know what this is but i i couldn't think yeah. about it like i've watched the whole thing of that okay so it's like five hours mm -hmm. and so she said like she you know she was there and then she was really captured by this and then she wanted josh right this is the ex-partner takes josh 
to the Broad and then, you know, of course they're like immediately in Simpatico and they like both spend five hours, you know, kind of weaving around each other while they're seeing this, this work. And then finally at, you know, the end, they both can kind of reconvene and they're sitting next to each other and then she's recording them talking. And that moment where they're like having a conversation and he's essentially like, sorry, but he's like mansplaining to her what they're seeing. Uh-huh. It like immediately captured like, what, oh, what that relationship was probably like, which is like, she was a bit younger. He thought he was really great. You he know. probably was really great. And then she... And then like, you know, she tried to... You know, I think he wanted sort of like a, somebody to, to be his mom. And then she was like, oh, okay, that'll be like a good role for me. And then, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so then they break down their whole relationship in one of the episodes. And then he's now moved to L.A. or has been there for quite some time. But like in support of the co-parenting situation. Okay. And, in support of the podcast. <laughs> right. And then he just starts at the end like bitching to her about how awful... LA is and like you know comparing it to New York Mm -hmm. and then they get into this just like bickering fight about it and I'm like whoa this is like really dark stuff that probably like shouldn't be on a podcast and then she I was like telling my sister about this like you have to listen to this it's totally (laughs) insane insane. um so then she listened to the love hurts ones Mm -hmm. and then she was like this is insane and then right when that was happening Leia took the Cape episodes, there were three of them, mm-hmm. off. Because Josh, the former partner, like, you know, didn't want them in the public domain. Oh. So now I was able to download one episode, but it's the first episode, which is, like, the least interesting uh-huh. one. So um, now they, like, don't exist anymore. And there's no Reddit or something. Like, there's no fan. I haven't done, like, a deep dive to try okay. and find them, but I also feel like... The people who listen to strangers continuously are not the same people who are on Reddit. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, like, who's maybe on like Quora. Like there, there must be some. <laughs> <Quora>. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I, or like maybe it's even on YouTube. Maybe. But then the other thing I found quite interesting is she's now with a new partner. So she finally found like another real like love mate. Who's name, an LA guy? Who's like an LA sound guy? Okay. And so he helps produce. Exactly. Wow. And um, there's in the beginning of the cape, she records him, I don't know how, like practicing the drums, right? And then receiving a callback from the couple's counselor. And then you can, and then he's Wait, like. the new boyfriend. Yeah, so. Yeah. Or Josh. No, Paul is the new boyfriend. He, you know. I think they're maybe like four years into a relationship. They've like, you know, brought families and children together into a single house. Mm -hmm. And then now they're having some problems. And so you can like hear him talking into the phone about this with the, and it was like, I thought like, oh yeah, this guy's like much better. Like there was something very attractive about like the way that he was able to just like process. Yeah. And do so in a way that seemed like not too much hinged on his ego. His ego. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like kind of hot and cold with Leia. But the other episodes are nothing really to do with her. Like she Occasionally will... she'll pop in for a bit and kind of yeah. ruminate. But they're mostly just stories of other people. And there's actually been like some pretty nice ones. Um, 
and I don't know. Is it nice to, like, I imagine that everyone is American, or like, LA. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a certain kind of American crowd. Like, I would say it's not... This American life type no, crowd? No, it's not, because it's not, it's not, like, this American life is all about the, the conclusion, right? The uh -huh. closure, creating this, like... Arc, narrative. Exactly, and um, even if everything's not okay, everything is okay because we've acknowledged that it's not okay, right? Right. Um, and of course, like, the heavy hand of Ivory West and, and Miki Meek and all these people mm -hmm. are always there. Um, but, and so I think, like, Strangers is a bit more intimate because it's people telling their own story. It's not Leia telling the story for them. Right. And, but it's definitely, like, I would say it's not very economically diverse. You no. know, it's a lot of, like, people who are, like, settled in and therefore capable of, like, telling a story that happened in the past. And want to be seen yeah. in that way. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's, like, a limit to yeah. the spectrum of stories anyway. Is it people on both sides or just one? What do you mean? On both sides of the story? Yeah. No, just one. Okay. Yeah, yeah usually. And I wonder um, if there have been, like, lawsuits, like, defamation cases. Yeah, there's Surely. been a few, like, kind of interesting. Like, I think with Leia... If I had been on the other side of that first story, where because she, she goes and sees a um, in love hurts, uh -huh. she goes and sees a like love and sex therapist who's like written a, a book that's like very kind of um, you know binary like this is what men want, this is what women want, and what I was shocked by in this whole episode is they never once um, point out that like there are other relationship variations then. Wait, what do you mean by that? Man, woman. Like, they, it's as what? if there is only straight people in the world. That, that was, like, very weird. But doesn't that... it also feel a bit like that sometimes? <laughs> uh, laughs uncomfortably. <laughs> um, I mean, in the world that Strangers is creating, yeah. Yes. For sure. Mm -hmm. Like, in Leia's 40-plus, you know, upper-middle-class, educated life, mm -hmm. you know... Straight is straight is normal and straight is okay, you know. Yeah, and there are obviously non non straight people as well. Right. It's but. not like they're it's not like they're denying the existence of yeah. that, but they're just like not. It's not necessary to like break out of the world that they obviously inhabit like pretty comfortably. You know, these are people who are like absolutely pulling their hair out about Trump, but their lives have not changed one bit. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, duh. Anyway. Um, she goes to this love and sex therapist and she's she starts like ugly crying about um about how her relationship with josh fell apart because he she was pregnant and he apparently cheated on her okay is she ever diagnosed as like does she ever get like shamed for making this public or like so that in, pathological desire to yeah. share is that so at the beginning of every one of this series she says like i know a lot of you don't want to hear this Right. I know a lot of you are saying. I know a lot of you. Don't I, want I know to hear a lot this. of you have said, "Come on, Leia, we don't need to hear this. Too much information." But then she says, "But the numbers of you who have written and said that I should just keep going has, you know, given me the strength to keep going." So it's like always that framing. Okay. So everything that I do, I blame it on you. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I guess like Josh rejected that and 
also rejected that the the breakup was so cleanly his fault, mm -hmm. her victimization. But honestly, I'm not convinced that it wasn't still because he doesn't come off well in either in either, either of the series, scenario. which is probably why he wanted the cape also yeah. taken down because he doesn't come off good there. And he's like the editor of The Believer or something. Oh, cool. This is going to be on the internet, right? Yeah, he's like the he's like a, a major dude who I'd never heard of before, mm -hmm. but like a, a simple Google search will like reveal that he's all over the place. Cool. I mean, to me, that's also pretty exciting. Like, you've sold it to me. But also, like, I... To me, it doesn't matter anymore, like, do I think this guy's an asshole, right? In real life. Mm -hmm. It's like, this was really fascinating, and now this random person who I would have, you know, if I had, like, ever bought a believer, mm -hmm. I would probably be like, yeah, whatever, next. Go to the stuff I'm interested uh -huh. in. Like, it's now in my, in my world of thought. Believer Mag. No, not Believer Mag, but Josh, the, 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 the believer... Would you editor. subscribe? Well, like, if, if you were in a library and they had a subscription to Believer, would you pick it up and flip through it to kind of understand what his editorial such and such now? is now? I mean, I would have... Um, or have you already done that? No, the Believer has, like, a pretty intense paywall, I think. Um, yes, if I was in a library and I saw a Believer, even before I knew mm -hmm. who this guy was, I would have picked it up because, like... It's interesting to me. Okay. You know, it's like a very specific kind of California literary mm -hmm. scene vibe. And then now I would definitely be like curious, but not curious enough to probably like spend more than 10 minutes with it. Are you going to reach a level of like toxic, uh, toxic overdose from strangers? You, I think it I already sounds, did. Okay. I think I already it did. It sounds super... Like when I first started listening to it, I think it was maybe early April. Uh-huh. And... Um, I was doing it as a, a as like an extreme form of like self care, so I would like essentially just like only listen to that and then like walk around here, and then and then at a certain point I was like, I am too much in this world and it's like not a world that I find particularly useful for me. You know, I didn't find it depressing or anything, but it's just like it's very American centric. It's escapism. It's a kind of escapism. It's kind of voyeurism, like a kind of mm -hmm. um, erudite voyeurism mm -hmm. that I didn't think was so great. Did it help you find perspective on your friends' relationships or your own relationships? Or did it, does it seem like completely alien? Yeah, funny enough, world? like, I think that's why people obviously were, like, tuning in so much, which is, yeah. like, the same reason people are, like, so affected by uh, normal people or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Or, like, Real Housewives or that Kardashian junk. Yeah, it's, like, this window that ref potentially reflects back your own experiences or validates them. Um, I would say I was unaffected by any information or any, um, reflection about her relationships failed or successful. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting was just, like, how she talked about it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, noticing the level of introspection or not. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's, like, how I should think about things. Um, also, like, I do think there's, I mean, I'm not in my 20s anymore but I I do think there's a difference between being 35 and being 45 sure I, I mean I wouldn't be surprised the very simplest level there are obviously so um, 
So I found that also kind of curious, like, oh, is this what being 45 is like? Because like, I don't spend so much time with 45-year-olds, I realize. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying that, but, because I probably do. You probably do. Other people you teach with, or... Yeah, exactly. But I guess you don't I'm not, like, spend in time at dinner parties with them or go to Right, bars. but actually, like, that I would find kind of interesting. Like, I would like to go to a 45-year-old's dinner party with other, oh god, with dinner party, like a, a, a social event where there's a lot of 45-year-olds. Uh-huh. Right? Just, like, because I think it would be like strangers. Like, especially considering the kind of, like, social cultural space that I'm, like, in. You know, these sort of, like, oh, I'm, like, a designer or whatever. Yeah. And then they all have... I, that sounds deeply unappealing. I know to me. your face is really like making me think twice about this. Uh, I, but also, like, I, I think to even like phrase it as like going to a dinner party with thirty-five-year-olds who are in the same industry as us also sounds like a social sounds event. Awful. It yeah. sounds no, um, really I, stressful. I maybe like, like a, I'd rather just not. But maybe I'm just gonna be like, well, it's not really about age, and that's no. that's not how things are constituted. And I feel like uh, my friendship groups are pretty diverse in age. age. Like there are twenty, no, like young twenty-somethings, there are thirty-somethings, there are some forty-somethings, but everyone just kind of acts like a teenager anyway, or like a yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's precisely that, right? This that, it's precisely that that there's this idea that, like in Leia's world, mm -hmm. there's like a lot of you know when she went to the Cape, she was in a space with people who were like mostly the same age as her, the same interests, same interests, same desires, same desi and that I find fame. I find that quite interesting. Yeah, I mean in a in a not interesting way, you know what I mean? Would you ever aspire to that? Like, could you see yourself change? Like, you yeah. could, with a bit of work, be that. Be there. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think that's a very basic, somewhat unimaginative, but like very um, yeah. comforting kind of fantasy. It's like this idea that you are in a, not in like a monoculture, gross, but like, Oh my god, this dog is amazing. That's yeah. a terrifying frisbee. Yeah, but I like how big it is. The biggest hole? Perfect for a snout? Um... Yeah, I found it, I found it very relaxing on some level to like imagine Leotel like at her... at the Cape. Mm -hmm. With her, you know, Cape With the kids dropped off at a babysitter. Or right, or like parents. not, or with the grandparents, grandparents. Yeah. yeah, I guess to become something based on who you are or your self-expression. Yeah, yeah is exactly. <laughs> but this, I feel when I was like coming of age, or whatever that means, uh -huh. like this was my idea of how the world worked. It's like you identify with who you are and what you do, and then that creates an automatic brand brand and community of people around you and then of course like now you realize like no that's not how it works and also like that's not how you really want it to work mm -hmm. but also like how many people do we know like have a job mm -hmm. right at, like a discreet job that they go to and they're in or, or or create for themselves and therein lies the identity right wait you're asking how many people do we know who have a job which forms their yeah. discrete identity. Yeah. Not so many. Most people have jobs and they form identities beside, beside that. Beside that. Like deliberately beside right. that. Right. But I feel like 
the Leia mm -hmm. model is a sort of pre-2008, like pre-crisis, kind of like everything's fine and I can be what my job is and my job is who I am. Yeah. I, I, but I think that that's, is that really so pre-2008? I, I feel like that's also simultaneous and adjacent to whatever. I just feel like that's not possible anymore for some reason. Hmm. I remember being in um, a gallery like Tegen Bosch van Freden when there was this painting show opening and what was going on? Someone dropped a vape. I would like Mire or someone had walked in and we were like we were talking, hugging, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, <laughs> like a, a lot of stuff going on and then this guy drops his vape next to us in front of us and then starts talking to us. Like, like he like, dropped it purposefully? Like accidentally and yeah. then like uh, was like, oh, whoops, yeah, and then like as, as a way to start a conversation. Yeah. And then his whole thing was about um, doing web design for booking.com and then also having the dream of like having this, um, this app to guide people around nightlife and there was also like um, 360 video views and like short reviews of like what's on, what's hot and all these things. And so I was with a friend who I guess also like has a role in nightlife or like social life here and we were talking about how like there are like stratified spaces and like not all spaces should be entered so easily in yeah. any city like a, it's a time out kills cities it's it makes it more available to tourists but his his self-identity was like deeply formed from this kind of like app startup wannabe developer um, gotta gotta sell myself here's my card yeah. hey we should have a yeah. call we sh and, and like that was quite unironic and maybe it was considered but it didn't feel critical yeah, but this is what I'm talking about exactly. too, right like you and carry that out into the world with you and then that also affects how you interact with people and especially interact with people who you don't know ah, but then there's me who doesn't have a discreet like I don't really have a job job <laughs> And then that, that's what I do, no? Like, uh, this is what I do. Like, uh, there's... Yeah, but that to me is much... That to me is both, like, makes a lot more sense to me, but it's also, like, scary, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. But that's I'm... the excitement about it. Yeah, I guess. If it wasn't scary, then it wouldn't be worth living. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know. Uh... That was a lot about strangers. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's important. Like the last time we spoke about podcasts, you and Beckett were in love with the dig. Yeah, I mean, I st still am, still? but okay. I think you know now that Bernie's gone. Um, I mean, it felt that there was a lot of power from the movement that was um, energizing these sort of deep takes on leftist policies and politics, mm -hmm. and now, and I think like. You know, and Dan was like really, 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 you know, with Bernie. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people I know were, but he was, he also had this incredible platform, right? Mm -hmm. And so when Bernie dropped out, and I think a lot of people were really surprised by that, that that happened, it happened earlier than people were expecting. And then I think, I don't know, I just felt that there was like a lull in the dig that it was like, I, just, I need a break now. Did you listen to that, um, to Seeking Derangement? No. Which has the fired Bernie staffer, Ben Mora. Oh, my brother was telling me to listen to this. Mm -hmm. He like met him when he was canvassing in... Wisconsin. In Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He told me, he told me I didn't need to listen to it because it would make me really depressed. 
Yeah. But that there was like a lot in there that was probably like pretty important for people to keep in mind. About like, is this the one where he was talking about deep organizing versus like what the people higher up in the Bernie campaign were doing, which was like more kind of I think I remember corporate. seeing that there were like two proper Bernie staffer episodes. Mm-hmm. One came like straight after Bernie said that he was dropping out of the race and it had a lot of like um like voice memos from different bernie staffers talking about the campaign um i couldn't listen to it it was like the the audio production was like really frustrating and um i I felt really not invested and i didn't want to get into it uh i really just listened to the first episode what sticks in my mind is that um that each episode begins with like a long track and ends with a long track of like music that they like Nice. And um, it's also talking to another like Twitter, Twitter gay. What's it called again? Seeking derangement. Okay. It's a play on seeking arrangement, which is the sugar daddy, sugar baby dating website. Oh my god, I don't know anything about this world. <laughs> you can use like seek arrangement. Ah, nice. Yeah. I yeah, know. I don't. I'm not. I mean, besides strangers. I don't like I've really stopped listening to most of the podcasts I was listening to like it just I think you know I've been doing fine in this kind of lockdown scenario like I'm a fairly um you know socially self-sufficient person like I don't need mm-hmm. to leave touch my people, touch people, people leave my pe- leave my house whatever go to plan bay go to fun <laughs> right like and in fact I sometimes try and avoid doing that but I think at a certain point I was like I don't want anything from the outside world you know if I'm going to be in this Hmm. in this isolated environment then I'll just you know read my books or whatever right and so sniff the coffee baby indeed um no I've been reading a kind of combination of literary fiction memoir and then I just read actually the first book by a dude I've read wow. in maybe six or seven years. And it was actually an accident because his name's Jess. And I thought it was like, great. You know, cause like when I really just want like a book that I think I can sink into, I like go to the Grey Wolf Press website and I uh-huh. see like what, you know, what they're releasing. And then I'm like, okay, I'll buy that. Um, and I was like, whoa, I was like really taken aback by that. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And that, that Jess was a guy. Yeah, or, well, no, just that, like, I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to read this now because, you know, there you it was. It. I bought yeah. it. And, um, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy it. So, you know, it's like, what have I been reading a lot of? It's sort of, like, theory light, you know, like, where people kind of do a deep dive. Like, he did a deep dive into, like, American novelists and how, specifically white American novelists and how they deal with race uh-huh. or don't. And... You know, it's like you essentially get like a huge amount of information about American writing and then someone's analysis of that, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's, it's not too complex. Did you read the whole of uh, Empathy Exams, Leslie Jameson? I did, yeah. Because that's what you were reading That's what I I started the the lockdown with, yeah. I was like... Like that was an accident book? Because then you shared an essay from that and then I read that essay and then I read half the book I think that essay is the best in the book and Uh then I think it's like pretty much downhill from there because it's the first essay um the to be perfectly honest I thought I was ordering love's work by Mm -hmm. Jillian 
What's her name? Jillian Rose? I think so. I know what you mean. I had read some of her essays before and I really liked them. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to buy that book. That seems like the mood I'm in. Mm -hmm. Somebody on their deathbed. Sorry, that's not funny. And then, um, and then I got, and then I ordered empathy exams. And it took me like 25 pages to realize, oh shit, this is that other book. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like Leslie Jameson comes out of like a very specific milieu. You know, it's like she's young, she's in her 30s. She writes like these sort of short essays that are sort mm -hmm. of self-aware. Yeah. Not super interesting. But like constructed and considered. Like a lot of formal things going on and how she's put things together. I don't know if I learned anything about empathy from reading that book though. But maybe that's not the point. Oh, I mean, that's the point. I think the, the book is much better read as a separate set of essays that like you don't even need to read in order. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I read it like a book mm -hmm. and then I was expecting like each essay to sort of like Amount build on yeah exactly you want to go home you want to get a fizzy drink do you want to come up sure that's what we were thinking you could come up and have a fizzy drink have a fizzy drink you have fizzy drink yeah I can make you a fizzy drink oh you have a soda stream right yeah yes that's exactly what I want Make me feel great. Okay, they're holding up. Yeah. They look small. They're 39. They're regular. I watched, I don't know why I watched all these interviews with Troy Sivan the other day, but I found out that he has size 7 feet. Oh my gosh. Which is really small, no? That's, that's like small for a lady. Oh, it's like a lady's 9. Oh. It's a US oh. men's. Yeah, so I wear a lady's 9. Right, so you have the same size feet as Troy Savant. Oh. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.